This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast. Powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. So here we are, season three of Driven by Data, the podcast. I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people. And that's where Orbition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, providing you with insights into the current market and your competition, benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting orbitiongroup.com. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dan Kellett, who is the Chief Data Officer at Capital One. So Dan, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me, Kyle. Great to be here. No, no, no. Pleasure's, uh, pleasure's all mine. So where we always start, Dan, is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief intro into their background and, I guess, journey up until this point in time, uh, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, of course. Um, a reasonably linear journey, to be honest. Um, so my background is in maths and statistics. Uh, I studied that at the University of Nottingham. And um, having finished my degree, I, w- I was keen to apply that in the real world. And uh, whilst I was in the computer room there, I saw a, uh, a job advertisement for Capital One. Uh, Capital One had just moved to the UK and we're, we're really setting up shop. Uh, and so I joined as, as a graduate back in 2000. And I've been here ever since, always within the world of, of data, statistics, data science. But yeah, I joined as a, as a graduate statistician building and, and maintaining the models that we used uh and then moved into leadership roles and um broadly kind of looked to expand what we did as a, a data science function uh, and then about four years ago i um moved into the chief data officer role for the uk business um what that means is i lead uh, a department of about 80 data professionals uh, across the whole kind of data job family landscape so data analytics, data science, stewardship, product engineering, kind of anything that that has data in front of it, really. Yep, very good. Just just take me back then, very briefly, more out of curiosity than anything else. Take me back to the year 2000. What what did working in data look like in an organization in, in the year 2000? In some ways, completely different, but in some <laughs> ways, very similar. Um, now, Capital One has always 
been an organization that has data at the heart. Uh, it's very focused on analytics. And so right from the start, there was a real um, passion for making sure that we capture information about our customers and use that to make the right decision. Having said that, back in 2000, very much in growth mode, um, all kinds of ideas going all over the place, not necessarily this, the right level of controls and process that you might want to make sure that everything was going well. Um, but it was an exciting place to work. There was there was lots going on. Um, but yeah, data has always been at the heart of it. Yep. No, very good. Very interesting. So um, obviously, we've got guests from 140 odd different countries now, Dan. So I know most people will know Capital One or know of the brand, but just give us a bit of insight into Capital One as a business for anyone that might be uh, unfamiliar. Of course. So Capital One are a financial services provider um, headquartered in the US. So uh, Capital One in the US is one of one of the US's top 10 banks in terms of uh, size, offering kind of a full range of financial services. In the UK, we specialize in credit cards. Uh, we're one of the largest credit card issuers in the UK with over 4 million active users. Nice. Very good. Um, and I know, obviously, you talked there about your, you know, looking after everything that is that has data in, involved in it across the whole spectrum. Um, what's what's the purpose of you being there in terms of, you know, what, what you're being asked to to do for the business and what you're tasked with achieving? Yeah, so I I think uh, I have three main roles uh, as as the chief data officer for Capital One. One is to make sure that um, we have the data, the models, the infrastructure in place to deliver our in year goals. That that's a key part of my role is to make sure that um, we're able to deliver the models that help our marketing department hit their targets. We're able to deliver the data-driven campaigns that mean that we can go out and talk to our customers when we need to speak to them. So that's a big that's a big part of my role is that that day-to-day meet our in, in-year outcomes. Uh, a second part of my role is longer term. It's to make sure that um, the UK business has a clearly defined data strategy uh, that we know where we're going, where we're investing, what that's going to give us, and then how that's going to tie into the broader business strategy, which is essential. It's really important. Um, so to to be the almost the guardian of that data strategy and to make sure that uh, I'm having the right conversations that link it into to the wider business long-term goals. Uh, and then my third role, uh, which is probably the most important, which is to, to um, look after this department of amazing data professionals to make sure that we are um, finding the best talent that we're um, helping people to develop their careers develop the skills that they want um, to to aim to meet their longer term goals uh, and then um, that we're, we're looking to kind of retain that that talent and make sure that they're working on the things that can have the biggest impact yeah yeah 100 makes uh makes perfect sense now i guess you obviously Having only ever worked in one organization, Dan, your perspective is probably very unique, right? Because you've seen a business that's probably gone on a journey with data analytics, as most businesses do. But obviously, you know, you talk there about the year 2000 analytics was at the heart of of the business. I guess we get a lot of debate in the industry about, you know, 
many organizations jumped into this maybe without having a data strategy and then have retrospectively had to go back and try and build a strategy that also supports the business strategy and you know you get that whole conversation that that goes on again just more out of curiosity have you know you being in there and seeing the business evolve with with that kind of use of data and analytics is what what's your experience been like in regards to that you know data strategy aligning to business strategy and you know the the, the journey that it's been on with that yeah, and I, I think if I go all the way back, it it was very much uh, our data strategy was around, do you know the person who knows about that data? And that's effectively <laughs> as far as you went with a data strategy. Yeah. Um, now, over the, over the last 20 years, we've had a series of pretty substantial um, technology and data investments that have looked to push our data strategy in different directions. Um, we have a very clear, clearly articulated enterprise level strategy. Um, but then actually part of my role is to make sure that I'm defining the UK strategy that is pointing in the same direction, but actually is specific works for us, both from a budget and a technology uh, and a talent kind of set of decisions. Um, now, it's, it's probably only about four years ago, as I moved into this role that that we actually created something that you could put a stamp on and say, this is our data strategy. Uh, I think historically it, it had been bound up in our wider technology and business strategy. But actually, I think one of the benefits of that work we did about three or four years ago was um, it, it makes it a really clear and bold declaration as to what's important to us from a, from a data infrastructure perspective. Uh, and then that made it easier to talk about the, the funding, the investment. Uh, and and the way we approached that was to start with the people who are most impacted by the choices that we make with our data, which are our um, end users. So predominantly people who work for Capital One who use the data that we create either to build new products or to optimize their campaigns or decisions. They're the people we want to talk to. And so we went out and we interviewed, I think, probably about 50 or 60 people, range of different levels, different experiences, and said to them, tell us what you love about what we have already. Tell us what you absolutely hate. <laughs> uh, and then let's kind of condense all that together into something um, that we can then kind of pull together into a strategy. At the same time, we made sure we were having those conversations at a board level as well. So we were talking to the UK leadership team really to understand okay let's let's make sure we properly understand this long-term strategy for the business uh so that we can create something that, that meets in the middle uh and so the output of that was a was a document with uh something that we can kind of put a stamp on and get behind uh and actually kind of over the last two or three years the, the focus has been on um making some significant changes to deliver against that strategy Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. Do you think that you, in hindsight now, had the benefit of having a business or a, a leadership team within that business that had a clear articulation of what the business strategy was slash is? Because a lot of the conversations I have are people saying, I struggle to extract what the business actually, what their plan is like, you know, they don't really have a strategy per se, right? It's more like there's a few goals and objectives, but, and then obviously the knock on effect is trying to align a data strategy to that can be very difficult. Yeah. I, I think two, two reasons, two ways in which actually we, we were helped. One was exactly that in that, that we have a clearly defined 
business strategy with some um, longer-term goals and aspirations. Um, the other is actually we, you have a leadership team who are um, aware of the the importance of data. Uh, now, maybe at different parts of their journey in terms of kind of awareness of that and understanding, but um, I don't think we we ever spoke to anyone who said that I don't see the point in this. So um, that that was really helpful. Um, despite that, we did have to take quite a bespoke approach. Uh, so rather than taking, you know, building our strategy and then going into a, um, a board meeting and saying, here you go, this is it can i have some money um <laughs> it was much more about okay that meeting is going to happen but what do we do in the weeks leading up to that meeting and it was about kind of one-on-one -on -one meetings really kind of targeting the strategy to say okay if you are head of uh compliance let's say um you're probably going to care about slightly different things than if you're head of marketing so let's make sure that actually we're covering off everybody's needs uh, and we're talking to those people in a way that chimes with with what they really care about uh, and what that meant was actually we got lots of uh, really good buy-in to the point where when we got to that meeting we go here you go everybody's already bought in already to some extent mm. yeah yeah makes sense um so innovation i mean in innovation is something that we talk about um a lot you know events podcasts day-to-day -day, um etc but let, let's just set the scene for the audience then in terms of you know what that means for you in the context of the environment that you operate in yeah I, you're right it's quite a slippery term innovation um and so i'm kind of thinking about how do i define it and i think for me successful innovation is all around exploration uh, and and an exploration to find better, however better might be defined for for you and for your organisation. Um, I don't think, and actually, I use exploration because I think there's some good um, comparisons you can make here. So if you go back to, to kind of, I don't know the 16th century, let's say, when you've got these kind of explorers who would just go off and, and find um, parts of the world that it would, had been as yet undiscovered to the western world um now they were exploring but they weren't just randomly setting off in any direction um they had some intuition or some data or some experience that that said to them actually i think it's worth going in this direction and then um, for me i think successful innovation is very similar to that in i i rarely see innovation being successful when it's very scattergun so if it's just, oh, I'm just going to go look at this over here. Um, and so actually kind of looking to push the boundaries of, of what you currently do, but in a way that um, your your experience or the data you have or, or even just a hunch tells you, yeah, there's something useful over here. I think that's where the, the sweet spot is for innovation. Um, and we've we've toyed around with this a bit in my team in various ways, which is how, how do you bring in some of that innovation? And um, I always true back to actually, I, I think a really successful innovation project um, probably has three different aspects. I, I think one, it one it should be something that's not exactly what you're doing in your day job. That's not, if you're just doing the same thing, it's not really innovation. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, it should be something that even tangentially, you have a line of sight for how actually that's going to deliver some value of some form. So whether that's actual kind of pounds value, whether it's pushing forwards the the UK strategy, um, 
but you you can pull together some thread that says actually i think if we go over here it might do this and then a third which i i think is kind of more specific to how i'd like to develop the the culture in the data department is i think innovation is better if you do it with someone else uh i think offering different ideas different opinions different perspectives is a great opportunity to learn from each other but also you're more likely to try different things if you've got more voices in the room so they're typically kind of the three the three things that i lay out when i'm thinking about innovation and and what successful innovation project yeah that that's really interesting that you talk about it's still pointing in a direction that supports the strategy right because just like the whole notion of quick wins that we kind of seem to keep talking about and maybe the fact that we are trying to get to quick wins without also aligning that with the data strategy which should be aligned with the business strategy and yada 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 around and around we go on on that i guess but i guess it's the same for innovation right you know if you go completely left field uh, and you find something that looks cool and fine and dandy and fancy but actually then you're like well actually doesn't support what we're trying to do it's been a been a waste of time how, how do you facilitate that innovation to happen then i guess in the context again of the business and within the day job and carving out the time to do that you know how, what does that look like actually in in practice and I, I think that's a real leadership challenge actually because i i think um if you're not incentivizing that that innovation uh people will potentially always opt to to work for the thing that that delivers that needs to deliver this day today tomorrow next week um and so actually as a leader you need to be very um, open and articulate the value of that innovation to to the organization that you work with and um, because it's the first thing that will get squeezed i think if time if timelines on the on your core deliverables get squeezed it's the first thing that drops um so i think kind of talking about it and celebrating it is really important i think in celebrating even when it's not kind of panned out that's still valuable because you you end up learning a lot um the other thing is whether you can put some structures in place to try and help that and i'll be honest over the years i've tried various ways of doing this we've had friday afternoons free for people to do it we've um had specific kind of weeks in the year where we've tried to do it and i think in all those cases they do get squeezed it's really hard it's really hard to protect it and so where i get to is actually almost needs to be um sponsored by leadership you need to have someone front and center say no this is important to me uh i'm going to set up some structure that means that there's some kind of formal reporting way that means it actually happens um now that might sound a bit kind of overstructured and maybe over governancey which it, it doesn't have to be but i in my experience i i think there needs to be some forcing mechanism that that means that this happens and so mm -hmm. as a leader you've got to say yeah it matters it's important to me it's important to the organization that we're not just doing exactly the same thing in 10 years time that we're doing now yeah 100 i mean it's all it's as with most things it's it's got there's got to be an element of carrot and or stick at some point right you know it, it kind of if if you just leave it up to people's own devices to go and do it or you start right we'll, we'll do it here as you said time scales get get squeezed projects are running behind it's the first thing that just gets wiped out of, out of the diary so it's important to kind of carve out and, and protect that time as you said for sure um what have you found then to be the relationship between innovation you know and 
creating value towards your overall strategy. Yeah, and I think it, the answer here is a bit about blending um, in the moment delivery with that longer term innovation plan. Um, now, the way kind of most organisations are focused when it comes to kind of recognition, whether that's kind of formal or informal, is is very much in year outcomes, right? So, I, I at the start of the year, I say I'm going to do these things, and then at the end of the year, have I done these things and have they been successful? Um, that's kind of the structure you have to play within. And so as a data leader, I think you have to make sure that you've got enough things that are, are going on in your organization that's going to meet that criteria, that are delivering those things. Um, now, having said that, there is an expectation that you don't just deliver those things year on, year on. There has to be this longer term appetite for change. And so you need to find this way to blend um that innovation with that in-year delivery, with the knowledge that 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 innovation isn't going to necessarily pay back this year, but maybe in two or three years' time, you'll be reaping the rewards of the fact that you've you've invested that that time and effort into the innovation. Um, bit of an example. Uh, so one of the one of the most important uses at Capital One for data and machine learning is um, the decision that we make when someone applies to us for for a credit card. That's good. Really important decision that we have to make sure we get right, both for our benefit and for our for our customers' benefit as well. Um, now, the algorithms and the data that have been used to make those decisions have evolved over the years. If I think back to when I first joined in two thousand, um, we were building those models. The models, uh, the use of those models hasn't really changed. What has evolved and adapted. Uh, the techniques that you might use or the data sources that you might use um, or even the process so how fast you can actually build those models yeah. to put them. All of those steps forward happened because we took some time out to innovate and think about well, what, what if we want to use this technique rather than the technique we've always used? Um, what if we look at this data source in a way that we've not thought about before? And maybe kind of eight out of 10 times you don't get anywhere with that, but two out of 10 times you may well do. And the models we build now are way more um, powerful, uh, more complex, more uh, understandable than, than the models that I used to build when it, when it was back in kind of the early days in my career. Uh, and so we're, we're kind of getting the value of that now for all those kind of two decades worth of innovation. And I think that's how you've got to think about it is how do you, Meet those in-year needs, but still have an eye on on where do you go in the longer term. Mm. Yeah, yeah, makes makes sense. And I guess that's a that's a great example of. I'm just thinking here about you know how you talk to you know the board as it were, right? You know when they're thinking, well, you know we're spending all this time trying to do innovation. Well, what are we, where are we actually getting to with with this? But yeah, it's a it's a very valid point. Um, Talk to me about team structure then. And I guess the reason why I ask this question is, um, again, from the hundreds of conversations I've had over the years on this, the whole centralized versus decentralized and how easy or and or difficult it might be to innovate when everyone's sat in different pockets doing different things or not, as the case may be, right? So just talk us through, you know, maybe some high level on your team structure and what you think that, you know, brings to you. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those debates where there's never a right answer. There's just different opinions. Um, 
and I think actually your, your decision might change depending on the maturity of the organization, the focus on the goals, all kinds of reasons why, mm-hmm. yeah. um, why you might choose different structures. The, the structure we have at the moment, as I said before, it's a, a centralized department. So we have, um, a centralized team, uh, typically arranged around job families. So, uh, my leadership team is the, my head of data analytics, my head of data science, my head of data product, and so on. Um, the benefits that we found there is, um, firstly, flexibility. So the, the ability to, to say to the rest of the organization, what are your top priorities? And we can resource those priorities, starting with the most important all the way down. Um, now I think the benefit there, rather than a, a, some kind of federated model is, you know, that the team are working on the things that are the most impactful, the most important to the organization, rather than the quota kind of approach. Um, so that's one benefit. I think you, you have a more of an impact. The second is, I think it creates a better sense of community. So by bringing together your, your data professionals, you, you bring together like-minded people to some extent. So, um, it makes it a lot easier to do things like, uh, recruitment because rather than having seven or eight different sub teams responsible for recruiting into that specific team, you have one, one process, one, one, uh, approach. It makes it a lot easier to do things like rotations. Uh, how if I'm a data analyst and I want to try a data science role, uh, it's much easier in a, a centralized organization. Uh, and I think, and my team may or may not disagree, but I think also it's it's more efficient when it comes to the governance and processes. So you can learn from each other, uh, have a more standardized approach, and and actually kind of raise the bar um, by by just learning from other people. So that that for me is the reason why I, I'm a strong advocate for for the center of excellence model. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, I I completely buy some of the risks of that as well. Um, and and so one one of the big one of my big concerns actually is, is stepping into this role is is almost like the ivory tower syndrome. So how do you avoid the the data department being oh those people over there who <laughs> never really don't really understand us don't actually deliver the things that we need um and i think the answer there is just relationships you have to get really close to the various different people understand uh their goals their needs uh, and and make sure you've got a continuous conversation going with them yeah yeah i know obviously you've had a big focus done on um talent and growing that talent pool and you know nurturing that talent pool and i think one thing that definitely becomes a struggle for organizations with a some kind of federated model is that um often people don't like to be pigeonholed into one track right so if you i don't know if you join a data analytics team that sits within finance and someone sat there going okay great now i'm stuck in finance and that's the only place i can ever go you know you kind of get tarred with that you're the finance data person, right? And they might want to try different things, but the model doesn't necessarily allow that to, to happen um, as much as we would probably like it to. And, and and therefore, you know, people end up leaving because they want to move to a team that is more centralized where they can get a variety of different types of projects in different functions and and so on and so forth, which, uh, yeah, makes, makes um, perfect sense. I guess in terms of if there's people out there then listening to this, who are thinking right you know we're, we're at the start of this journey we're 
probably a more you know less mature place than than you and capital one are what would you say that the things for them to consider are around having that centralized team like what, what are the things that you think are absolutely critical in to be successful so um yeah that's a great question i, I think there's a few things one is having a really good understanding of um actually your data foundations is really important who are the people around the organization who really know where the data is and what it means and actually that's probably a really good starting point to bring those people together as your your kind of starting point for creating some kind of centralized um data function because there will be people there right there, there are people who, have, who really care about that data and have nurtured it over the years um they're the people you want to bring in early on uh, and, and get them bought into the need for a centralized team so i think that's one thing um i think the second thing is in in the early days people you bring into that team are going to have to be big team players they're going to have to step into all kinds of different challenges whether that's um you know uh, doing some analytics whether that's digging into data quality side uh, and so i think you're looking for for those kind of people who are um curious and also don't mind rolling their sleeves up and, and getting uh, getting their hands dirty um i think that there are uh, definitely roles later on for specialists but i think in those early days i think it really is about being able to to kind of have a go at pretty much all sorts um so i think inward looking i think they're the, the key things outward looking you need to be delivering value from day one i think is is my key uh piece of advice there um i don't think you have a huge amount of time to to prove the value of a centralized team and so um definitely in the in the first year you need to be thinking about a, a, an ongoing succession of of things that you can point at and go look this this is the value of having a centralized data team mm, yeah i guess having that centralized data team and how do you and i guess we're getting back to the the striking the balance question right but uh, what do you think that innovation looks differently for a centralized team versus a federated team um hmm. i think it comes it still comes down to people so i think it still comes down to the curiosity of the people within the team i think as a centralized team you can probably do more to maybe create some air cover for for that to happen uh and you can perhaps do a bit more to nurture that curiosity and and kind of structure how things are, are set up um i like to think of it as over, over the course of, of a year i i will kind of accrue chips to some extent <laughs> by helping out various different um people across the organization and and at some points i choose to cash in those chips and go no <laughs> this is important we need to make sure we're setting aside some time um it's all about relationships uh mm. and so so i think it's it's kind of that's one benefit of a centralized team actually and, and having a leader there who can smooth over some of those relationships and, and actually provide the air cover yeah yeah makes um makes perfect sense i guess in relation to hiring you, you touched upon there about you know really for innovation to happen you've got to have the right people all people that you hire have to have the right type of, of mindset is that something you, that you're kind of conscious of when hiring you know do, do you hire with innovation in mind as it were 
Um, I would say we have definitely high curiosity in mind because uh, I think actually, irrespective of whether you're you're working on something um, that you might consider standard, actually, if you're bringing curiosity to that, you're already making it better because you're asking the question, why does it happen like that, or why do we do it this way? And um, so, yeah, I think curiosity is really key, uh, probably more so than specific um, skills. Uh, I think actually you can get to a point where you can um, teach certain skills to to a, a pretty high level, actually, if you set up in the right way where you've got good kind of mentorship and you've got good um, training and support. Um, but actually, if people don't have that curiosity, that that desire to ask, why is that happening that way? I'm not sure you can teach that. I think mm-hmm. that that's probably a bit more innate. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I know obviously one of the things that your your model focuses on is more um, the graduate model, right? Which um, I think you probably have the ability to shape people more, especially with the realms of curiosity. And obviously, if you're hiring people straight out of university, you'd like to think that they're probably less inclined to have picked up perceptions around this is the way it's done and this is why it's done that way do you think that's played a part in in kind of you know you're being successful with trying to innovate a little bit more i think so i think so um i think the risk there is do you bring in enough voices um is there is there a risk if you only bring in people at a junior level that nothing ever changes because people don't feel comfortable voicing um mm-hmm. those questions uh one of the things that we we've, we've had a lot of value in actually is people moving into the department from other parts of the organization um so we've we've had uh, a really successful relationship with our technology department for example so we've had people rotate in for six nine month um, rotation um opportunities we learn a whole load from the way that a technology uh, person would think about a particular problem um they get a really good appreciation of data and then they take that back into their next role and and that's really beneficial um we've also had a lot of benefit from people moving in from our operation as well so potentially even people who've been on the phone with our customers um we might think we understand what's going on because we look at the data but actually if you've got someone who is day by day on the phone to customers they know exactly what's going on they know your customers really well they know your processes really well and actually again we found a load of benefit by bringing people in who've got that different perspective that different voice um so again i think it comes down to culture i think it's about making sure that you've got the right culture that people feel they can come in and add value express their opinions um and and ask why yeah have you found on that rotation thing because i completely understand you know if you if you're hiring just graduates they may have a a kind of a problem airing what they might be thinking right you know um as many people do at, at, at that age but i guess have you have you found that you've almost been able to innovate due to a lack of knowledge or experience around data you know if someone just comes in from a different you know department and says well what why does that why do we do it like that? That doesn't make any sense. You know, why wouldn't we do it like this? Do you do, you know, has it almost happened inadvertently at times? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think especially around the process side. So, um, you know, it's very easy to get into the habit of this is the way you've always do these things. Uh, and actually just bringing someone in who has a completely different perspective, who can say, 
I don't really understand why you do step six and seven. Why not just go straight onto step eight? Um, yeah, that's great. I mean, if you can think about that efficiency, it's the kind of stuff that people don't necessarily want to be spending their time doing anyhow. So if you can make those processes more efficient, it does free up more time to deliver more stuff or to do more innovation. Um, so yeah, we've got lots of examples of that. Yeah, nice, nice. So I guess to f- to finish then, Dan, because I'm conscious of of time, but I know basically there's a few underlying themes here obviously it's about having the right people building a culture where innovation can happen and ultimately trying to strike that balance of you know how do you innovate whilst you're also trying to deliver and and add value um what would kind of be your top tips for anyone listening in terms of you know getting that balance right between executing on a day-to-day basis whilst aligning that with the strategy whilst also trying to innovate to, (laughs) to to change things for the better yeah uh, let me tell you a quick story that i think encapsulates it so i um go back about three years ago just stepped into the role and um during the start of the pandemic as well so there's kind of lots going on and i found myself feeling pretty drained um and what i decided to do was to actually kind of do a bit of a um audit of how i was spending my time so where where was i putting my focus and I, I brought a categorize. This is very geeky, right? But I'm a data person. Um, so I kind of categorized stuff into uh, seven different buckets. And when I looked at them, I found I was spending pretty much all my time on things that were um, meetings around just general, almost kind of running the engine, uh, just getting things done, making decisions, all really valuable. But when I thought about how would I like to be spending my time, there was a whole load of other stuff that I just wasn't getting to. So there was things like um, my external network. So building and, and making sure that I, I have a really good outside view. Uh, it was things like um, what is next on that data strategy? What's that longer term plan look like? So a lot of these things that you would categorize as really important, but not necessarily urgent. And actually having that written down made me think, oh, hang on this is not working i need to change uh, and so I, I every so often i come back to that and i do a bit of an audit of where i'm spending my time and, and kind of redirect slightly uh, i would massively advocate for that as an approach i think think about how you're spending your time and is it where you really want to be spending your time uh i think that's that's my absolute top tip yeah no that's uh i mean i think that probably goes for most people in most roles especially leadership roles right where the the role is quite broad in, in nature and there's also there's there's that short term quick wins add value demonstrate it as as we go whilst also thinking about how do we tie all this together in terms of a of a longer strategy play so well look dan um it's been a, a pleasure speaking with you as uh, as always and thank you very much for coming on the show and um yeah look forward to seeing how the rest of the journey unfolds uh thank you kyle no it's been a pleasure thanks a lot That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. 
Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.